Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are studying Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. Say what about a Sabbath? Our prayer request this week comes from a listener, Tim. His wife has been hospitalized with a UTI. She is doing better, but she could still use your prayers. And from the email, I think that Tim could as well. This week, I am drinking my typical old-fashioned. One of my emails asked me why I do not put club soda in my old fashions. Now, I am not a purist by any means, so you can drink your old fashions or bourbon, however you'd like, but I would not let club soda or any other soda uh, touch my old fashioned, but you can do whatever you'd like. Uh, Drink your whiskey however you feel. But let's start with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for this moment of rest, a moment to study your scripture and center ourselves on your worthy cause. Lord, allow us to learn more about the Sabbath and what Jesus said about it in this study today. Amen. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to them, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priest. Or haven't you read in the law that the priest on Sabbath duty in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words meant, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath." Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. The first thing we notice in our reading is that the disciples are back. Now, I did skip a few sections of chapter 11, but nowhere in chapter 11 does it say that the disciples returned. The Gospels are not a story in the way that you might expect a biography or a history book to be. If you're reading a biography, you would expect that there wouldn't be a large chunk of unaccounted for time. But the Gospels are not an autobiography. They're not a biography or a history book of any kind. 
nor are they a book written to account for every detail of Jesus' life. We've covered that before in our first episodes about the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel is just that, a Gospel. It tells the story of Jesus' life as it pertains to the story of salvation. It is not a biography of Jesus. It is the story of Jesus through the lens of heaven. It is particularly trying to convince you of Christ. Therefore, things that are not important to that aspect are left out completely. There's a reason why we don't know much about Jesus' life from his birth to the beginning of his ministry. Because it's not important to the narrative of salvation. And the same is true here with the disciples. We do know they are sent out because that is important to the gospel message. But we don't need to know why they returned. But they did. And they are hungry. And they are walking through a grain field on the Sabbath when some Pharisees happen upon them. Which is interesting in its own right. Grain fields are not known for being meeting locations. Grain fields are not town halls. So we can assume that this interaction was not accidental. Either the Pharisees had been following Jesus, hoping to catch him and his disciples slipping up in some way, as they are apt to do, or this interaction was ordained by God. Either way, these Pharisees and these disciples were meant to have this interaction. They were walking through the grain field, and the disciples were picking grain off the stalks and eating them. Though the disciples did not own the grain field, it was perfectly fine for them to do this. It was not stealing from the farmer. In Deuteronomy 23, it is particularly allowed for anyone who is walking through a field to pick and eat whatever they like. They can't take it with them, but they can eat it there in the field. It's described as if you are in a vineyard, you can eat the grapes off the vines, but you cannot take a basket and store those grapes in the basket and take them home with you. Now, that might seem a bit complicated, but at its base, it is a rule about satisfying your immediate hunger. If you are hungry in the moment, you can take as much food as you need from the field to not be hungry anymore. But you can't take food from the field and bring it back to your home or the market to sell. It's about sustaining yourself for that day, and that day only. However, the Pharisees see this as an opportunity to trap Jesus or catch him in some way, as they often do. Because Exodus 34 particularly bans reaping or harvesting on the Sabbath. And they are interpreting the disciples picking these little heads of grain as reaping and harvesting. But that's not exactly true. Because to reap or harvest, you are necessarily storing these items for later. It's work because it's for profit. In fact, if the disciples were doing that, it would have been forbidden on any day, whether it was a Sabbath or not, because it would simply be stealing from this farmer. 
And Jesus goes on to challenge these Pharisees on their interpretations of Deuteronomy 23 and Exodus 34. But also, he challenges the Pharisees in general for putting these laws of tradition ahead of human needs. So he gives the example of David. David went into the temple and had his companions eat blessed bread. It was unlawful for David's companions, since they were not priests, to eat this bread, but they were hungry. It was used to satisfy their immediate hunger. David was putting their men above tradition. And Jesus was using that as an example of saying no man should starve or die because of some law of tradition. And that God doesn't want these laws to be followed to the point that his own children go hungry. And then Jesus goes even further, saying that the priests themselves work in the temple on the Sabbath. They break the Sabbath by doing their priestly roles, and that's fine, which I really connect with as a pastor. I do my best to keep the Sabbath holy, and I have tried since I was a young boy. One of my first memories of the Sabbath is my father teaching me to cut grass and telling me that I am allowed to cut grass on any day of the week except for Sunday. Sunday was a day of rest. And even today, I still do not cut grass on Sunday because it's the Sabbath. And a lot of it goes back to that interpretation of reaping from Exodus. Cutting grass is a form of reaping. You are cutting down the stalk even though you are not putting it in a basket. It is a form of work. So, I don't do it on Sunday. And even as I got older and I was in college and I was working various odd jobs, I always kept Sunday as a day of rest. But then I went into ministry. And in some ways, my life took an opposite turn. I can take as much time as I need Monday through Saturday. I have a very flexible schedule on those days of the week. But Sunday, I work. I get up before dawn each Sunday morning to make sure that everything is right for service. I practice my message, and I make sure that the communion has been blessed and is ready for Sunday morning. By the time Sunday afternoon comes and the services for the day are over, I'm tired. I've worked a full day already, and I am ready to take a nap. So I can imagine that the priest in the temple during the time of Jesus probably worked a Sabbath day much like my own. It may have been the hardest day of the week for them, where they worked and worked and worked from sunup to sundown. But it doesn't count as breaking the Sabbath if you're facilitating the worship of God. But even though what I do on the Sabbath and what those priests did on the Sabbath was quite similar in some regard, the Sabbath for Christians is very different than the Sabbath for Jews today or for Jews back then. First, Jews celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday, not Sunday, like we Christians do. And the transition from Saturday Sabbath to Sunday Sabbath for Christians was not immediate. 
It came over time. We now practice the Sabbath on Sunday because that was the day that Christ rose from the dead and the day that the Holy Spirit came to the apostles. However, early Jewish Christians still kept Saturday as the Sabbath, and this continued for quite a long time. In fact, if you were a Jewish Christian reading the Gospel of Matthew when it was first distributed to those Christian communities, you probably were still celebrating the Sabbath on Saturday. Think about that. The Christians who first read this encounter between Jesus and the Pharisees were keeping Sabbath on Saturday, not Sunday. Over time, certain communities began to keep the Sabbath on Saturday, but would celebrate the Lord's Supper on Sunday. Uh, This was particularly seen in the Gentile communities. And we know that this began while the New Testament was still being written. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is mentioned breaking bread on Sunday with a group of Christians in what is now Turkey, but back then would have been seen as a city in Greece. And though that community might have still kept Saturday as a day of rest, Sunday for them was a day of worship. But it's a bit difficult for us to find the exact moment of this transition, because we have a very limited number of sources that speak particularly about the Sabbath and mention what day of the week it was. And frankly, the more evidence we find, the, well, less clear the whole situation becomes, because some communities seem to celebrate it on Sunday, while others on Saturday and others practiced some combination of both. And it wasn't until the second century before church officials allowed non-observance of the Saturday Sabbath, even though it was probably pretty commonplace before then. And it wasn't until the fourth century that it was officially declared that the Sabbath had been transferred from Saturday to Sunday. It was hundreds of years after this event between Jesus and the Pharisees, before the Sabbath became Sunday and not Saturday. And by saying all of this, I'm really working at one point. Jesus, in this story, was not talking about the Sabbath on Sunday. This is before the resurrection. For him, at this moment... The Sabbath was Saturday. Which makes you question, if Jesus celebrated the Sabbath on a Saturday, then why shouldn't we? And I think Jesus answers that question too. I desire mercy, not sacrifice you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Jesus' day. Jesus is not the Sabbath's. Meaning that Jesus and God have control over the Sabbath. The Sabbath is created for them. It is their seventh day. It is their property. Moving it from Saturday to Sunday does not change the Sabbath 
because it is God's. In the same way as I'm allowed to pick up my couch and move it from my living room to my sitting room, it is my couch. I'm allowed to move it. In fact, if I want to move it, as many Kentuckians do, to my front porch, I could put my couch on my front porch, even though my wife might have a few things to say about it. The Sabbath may have changed its day, but it didn't change its meaning. It's still a way for us to honor God and to find some rest inside ourselves. And this discussion of feeding oneself gets to that point. The Sabbath is made to be a day of rest, a day where we put God first. But we can't do that if we're hungry. It's not for us to sacrifice ourselves on that day. God does not call for our sacrifice. He calls for mercy. It's a day for us to connect with the Lord. And if we need to pick some grain to do that, then pick the grain. And Jesus continues this by saying that if a sheep were to fall into a pit, would you not pick it up in the Sabbath? In the same way, Jesus then heals a man, saying that it is right to do good on the Sabbath. God doesn't want you to stop being a good person in order to rest. That doesn't make any sense. That's not what the Sabbath is for. So it's important for us to remember the Sabbath. Because sometimes we either put too much or too little on the Sabbath day. Some of us treat the Sabbath as if it's no different than any other day. We don't spend any time with God, with our family, or with our church. And other people, well, they don't do anything at all. They just go to church and they won't even start their car I read an article about a Christian community that wouldn't drive to church because they thought it was work. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Jesus here is telling us that the Sabbath is important. It's something that we should keep holy, but we shouldn't set laws up around it. The laws should be self-evident, that we should focus on relaxing, Focus on God, and focus on the things that matter. Don't think of it as a day of sacrifice, but a mercy that we're given. We aren't to work ourselves to death seven days a week. We are to have one day to sit back, to find ourselves. And I hope that all of you on this Sabbath day can take it as a day of rest as well. Thank you for joining me today. While it's true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help and don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.